Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 5th May 2023. This is Ian Haydock. In this episode, strong growth in blockbuster ranks in 2022, Liz Dunanimab slows cognitive decline in Alzheimer's, FDA approves first RSV vaccine, Pfizer anticipates revenue bolus from vaccines, and Astellas buys into ophthalmology. Last year was a good year for blockbuster drugs, with the 20 best-selling medicines of 2022 generating global sales of $249 billion, up 13.1% on the top 20 drug sales in 2021, Eleanor Malone writes in an infographic article. COVID-19 products accounted for $79 billion, or 31.5% of the total. In 2020, before COVID-19 product sales had begun in earnest, The top 20 best-selling drugs had sales of $151 billion, nearly $100 billion less than last year. Compared with 2021, when COVID-19 vaccines Comirnaty and Spikevax had already generated combined revenues of $58 billion, top 20 drug sales were up 13.1% from $220 billion. A record-breaking eight products made global revenues of more than $10 billion in 2022, including three for COVID-19. Among the overall list of top 10 products, the only medicine not to grow year on year was Bristol-Myers Squibb's blood cancer drug Revlimid, which faced US and EU generic competition from the first quarter. The only product to fall out of the top 10 league table was BMS's anti-cancer checkpoint inhibitor Obdivo, which nonetheless grew by 9.2%, to reach sales of $9.3 billion in 2022 and remained among the top 10 products when COVID-19 products are stripped out. Opdivo was displaced by Pfizer's COVID-19 pill Paxlovid, which shot from nowhere to fourth place in the 2022 bestseller list following its launch in late December 2021. The strong growth seen in 2022 is unlikely to be replicated in 2023, however. Pfizer, which together with Germany's BioNTech sells Comirnaty, estimated in January that its revenues from the COVID-19 vaccine would fall by 64% this year, while it projected a 58% decline in revenues from Paxlovid. Immunology drug Humira, which until COVID-19 arrived on the scene, had dominated the bestseller lists for years, continued to grow in 2022, even in the face of ex-US biosimilar competition. But 2023 is expected to mark its turning point after the first biosimilar was launched in the US at the end of January. In February, AbbVie projected Humira sales would fall to 13.7 billion this year, representing a significant drop from levels last year. Another mega blockbuster facing copycat competition is Johnson & Johnson's top-selling drug Silara, also for inflammatory conditions, Although with no biosimilars yet approved and loss of exclusivity expected late in the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter, the real impact will not be felt until next year and beyond. The product continued to grow in the first quarter of this year. Please see the full article for further breakdowns and extensive visualisation of the data around the global performance of biopharma blockbusters last year.
Eli Lilly remains months behind Azai and Biogen in bringing an anti-amyloid antibody to market. But with Phase 3 Trailblazer ALZ2 trial results on 3rd May showing a 35% slowing in clinical decline for early Alzheimer's patients treated with denanumab, Lilly plans to file for US FDA approval during the second quarter of 2023. The data appear to show greater efficacy than seen with Azai Biogen's Lakembi last year, although with greater risks, Mandy Daxon writes. Dawn Brooks, Lilly's global development leader for Denanimab, could not confirm whether the company will specifically request priority review, but noted in an interview with Scrip that the anti-amyloid antibody has both fast-track and breakthrough therapy designations in the US, which offer designated therapies a potentially faster review path. Lilly originally sought accelerated approval for Denanimab, but the FDA denied the request in January, soon after granting fast clearance to Azai Biogen's Lakembi. The company set its sights on full traditional approval instead, based on the Trailblazer ALZ2 results, noting that the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services was unlikely to provide Medicare coverage for its drug until it had full approval anyway. John Sims, Lilly's head of medical for Denanimab, said he was pleasantly surprised to see the drug performed even better in Phase 3 than it did in Phase 2, when it showed a 32% slowing in cognitive decline in the Trailblazer ALZ trial. Trailblazer ALZ2 enrolled 1,736 people with early symptomatic Alzheimer's, including individuals with mild cognitive impairment and mild dementia, with the confirmed presence of amyloid beta. Primary endpoint was changed from baseline on the integrated Alzheimer's disease rating scale at 18 months, assessed in patients with intermediate levels of tau protein in their brains, which showed a 35% slowing of cognitive and functional decline for denanimab-treated patients versus those treated with placebo. There was also a 36% slowing in cognitive and functional decline as assessed by the clinical dementia rating sum of boxes in the intermediate tau population, a key secondary endpoint in Trailblazer ALZ2. Detailed results from the trial will be presented in July at the Alzheimer's Association International Conference in Amsterdam. While Azai and Biogen are just two months away from a full approval decision from the FDA for Lakembi and may achieve a Medicare coverage decision soon after, Lilly is coming in close behind with its full approval filing anticipated before the end of the second quarter. If the BLA is granted priority review, an FDA decision could come before the end of 2023 with a CMS decision soon after. Cantor Fitzgerald analyst Louise Chen was bullish in a third May note that Lilly would win the anti-amyloid category, however, based on what she described as better-than-expected Phase 3 results. We think the efficacy and safety of Trailblazer ALZ2 could support a best-in-class amyloid plaque targeting therapy for the treatment of Alzheimer's and broad reimbursement, Chen said. GSK's Orexvi is the first vaccine approved for respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, by the US FDA. While the approval is an accomplishment, the vaccine is likely to face a challenge in the commercial market from the coinciding launch of a timely rival. 
Pfizer also expects the FDA to rule on its RSV vaccine, Abrisvo, in the near term, and both vaccines will require recommendations from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices before GSK and Pfizer can launch them. ACIP will hold a meeting to discuss the vaccine's recommendation in June, Jessica Merrill writes. GSK said it plans to launch RxV in the US ahead of the 2023-24 RSV season. The FDA approval marks the first for an RSV vaccine in the world, although clearance appears imminent in Europe after the European Medicines Agency's CHMP recommended approval in April. GSK did not disclose the price of the vaccine in the US, but reiterated comments management previously made that the price would be somewhere between a high-dose flu vaccine, which is around $60 per dose, and the company's shingles vaccine, Shingrix, which is about $185 a dose. The market for RSV vaccines is expected to be substantial, with some analysts forecasting a roughly $10 billion opportunity. But it remains uncertain how the market will develop, given increased awareness of disease prevention through vaccinations from the public's COVID-19 experience on the one hand, offset by a certain degree of vaccine fatigue among older adults on the other. With the approval of Arexvi, the FDA is requiring GSK to run a post-marketing study to assess risk for Guillain-Barre syndrome and acute disseminated encephalomyelitis. Jessica also writes in a separate story that Pfizer has several launches planned for the second half of the year, including Abrisvo, along with the bispecific antibody Elranatumab for multiple myeloma, Trazimob for ulcerative colitis, and expansion of the pneumococcal vaccine Prevnar 20 to the paediatric population, a larger commercial opportunity versus adults. Pfizer CEO Albert Buller told investors during the company's first quarter sales and earnings call on 2nd May that revenues excluding COVID-19 products are expected to grow faster in the second half of the year than in the first as a result of the new products. Analysts speculated that the company's revenue forecast implies $1 billion coming from new launches and questioned management if that would be achievable for new vaccines and drugs just getting off the ground late in the year. We are anticipating that there's going to be a big bolus of revenues, global biopharmaceuticals president Angela Huang said, mostly from the RSV vaccine and the Prevnar 20 expansion, which would come from conversion from the older 13-valent product Prevnar 13, which has a roughly 85% market share in the paediatric sector. Prevnar 20 was approved by the US FDA for infants and children six weeks through 17 years of age on 27th April. Pfizer is also bullish on the launch of Abrisvo, which is expected to be one of the first vaccines to market for RSV, but not the only one. Pfizer and GSK are poised for near simultaneous approvals of their respective RSV vaccines in May, followed by likely ACIP recommendations at the committee's next meeting on 21st and 22nd June. Pfizer has an edge in the infant RSV market, as a regulatory application is pending at the FDA for an RSV vaccine that is administered to pregnant women, with action anticipated in August. It's not yet clear if ACIP will recommend RSV vaccinations in the US for everyone over 60 or 65 
or move in favour of a narrower recommendation targeting at-risk groups. There's a lot of reasons to believe why that fourth quarter is going to be a really big quarter for both Prevnar PEDS as well as RSV adult, Huang said. Pfizer is already laying the groundwork to raise awareness of RSV through unbranded disease education with physicians, she said. The company is also planning a large consumer effort. Strong sales of non-COVID franchises will also help to soften the impact of what is expected to be lower revenues of those products. First quarter revenues of the mRNA vaccine Comirnaty and the COVID drug Paxlovid exceeded the analyst consensus forecasts, helping Pfizer's overall Q1 also beat consensus. Nevertheless, the company's top line declined 29% in the quarter to $18.28 billion as the company absorbed the impact of lower sales of those products. Finally, Astellas Pharma has entered into a definitive agreement to acquire US bioventure Iveric Bio for a total equity value of approximately $5.9 billion in a bid to enhance the Japanese major's strategic presence in the ophthalmology area. The acquisition is expected to close during the second quarter of Astellas' current fiscal year, which began on 1st of April. Myself and Lisa Takagi write that privately held Iveric, based in New Jersey with around 260 employees, will bring with it several preclinical pipeline assets, but most significantly the pre-approval stage complement C5 inhibitor, Avacin Captad Pegol, which was filed in the US this February as Zimura for geographic atrophy secondary to age-related macular degeneration. Astellas described the asset as an important program with significant potential to deliver value to a large and underserved patient base. It also sees Avacin Captad as providing an important new pillar of commercial revenues along with existing drugs Padcef for urothelial cancer and Fisolinitant for menopause symptoms. Amid the anticipated loss of exclusivity for blockbuster prostate cancer drug Extandi later this decade. Astellas executives told a Tokyo media briefing on 1st of May the acquisition would provide a stronger foundation for ophthalmology-focused capabilities across the value chain, including a multifaceted commercial team, expansive network of experts in the ophthalmology field, established relationships with medical institutions, and infrastructure and experience. With a Phase 2B trial already underway in the additional indication of Stargardt disease, Avacin Captad is administered as a monthly intravitreal injection and a bi-monthly formulation is also under development. Geographic atrophy secondary to AMD is severely underdiagnosed in Acellus's view and estimated to affect at least one eye in 1.6 million people in the US. So far, there is only one other FDA-approved drug for the indication, Pelis's C3 inhibitor, c which was cleared this February. Avacin Captad met its 12-month primary efficacy endpoint in its two pivotal Phase 2 and 3 trials, which was a significant reduction of the rate of progression of geographic atrophy. Ivoric's other pipeline assets include a preclinical stage HTRA1 inhibitor, IC500, for the same indication as Avacin Captad, 
and several research-stage adenovirus vector-based gene replacement therapies for eye disorders. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. All these stories in full are linked in the article accompanying this podcast and form just a small part of Scripps' global coverage last week. Log in to access all of our content or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.